welcome to this episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves of Nam where this conversation takes place, land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Ilya Donati, personal chef. Ilya has loved food and cooking since a young age, watching his mama and nonna in the kitchen preparing his favourite meals. It wasn't until he was 22 and in search of adventure on the other side of the world that he started learning to cook professionally. As soon as Ilya moved to Melbourne, he fell in love with it, and he particularly loved discovering all the cuisines we have here, in particular Asian and American, which were a departure from the Italian food he grew up with. Having worked in a few different venues, Ilya has discovered that what he really loves is the one-on-one contact he can have with diners as a private chef. He loves entertaining through food, ambiance, and the role food can play in connecting people. He's also working on a line of his own products, including a delicious coffee, as well as a project aimed at bringing families together over food called Cooking Bond. This was a lovely chat about food, becoming a chef, growing vegetables, and some really great advice for cooking the perfect steak. Thank you, Ilya, for being with me today. It's really lovely for you to come. You've come all the way over to me, which is great. (laughs) And what were you doing today, working? Uh, Yeah, so I'm working as well at uh, Delhi. a couple of reasons. One is this year it has been a little bit more quiet and also um, this has given me the chance to get into uh, making finally my products Yeah. Okay. because uh, that was the move that got me into the place that you know I'm now using to um, manufacture the products that I'm coming out with except from the coffee which is made on another side completely okay. altogether, yeah. Yeah, right. So what are the products that you're making? So I'm making my chimichurri, which is a Latin American uh, inspired um, uh, vinegary sort of the dressing. It's a liquid you put on steak usually. And uh, my own version of tzatziki, uh, caponata, and um, another garlic one, uh, which is um, nowhere on the shelves, so until he's out, it, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> nice. And are they based on um, family recipes or recipes that you've come up with yourself? Uh, yeah, so it, it embodies exactly my story in Australia because that's uh, uh, like, like exactly like my story. I came here and I started... Uh, working in the industry and learning from this person, that person, this chef, that chef and I guess that whole mix made my way of cooking and so that's how how it is. Obviously with a Latin American girlfriend there's also a lot of uh, influence so that's where the chimichurri comes from. Wow. Um, And um, yeah, so that's why. That's good. So I was reading in your bio that you um, that you really love food from a young age, and yeah. you would watch your nonna and your 
mum cook and so on. So um, tell me a little bit about um, about growing up and what, what region are you from? Yeah, so I'm from a, a place called Savignano sul Bicone. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it looks like Red Hill in Mornington. It's not far from the uh, ocean, for us, the sea. <laughs> um, and um, it's a winery area, so I'm completely surrounded by um, vineyards. And there's this huge medieval castle uh, in which they um, make the wine. And the name of the castle is Ribano, which is why the coffee is called Ribano. Oh, wow. So that's the story. And... Uh, so that's the area. So I was born in a place where my friends were far away because I didn't have a motorbike or anything. I had only a couple of friends close to me and I had a lot of nature and I could make all those experiences, you know, outdoor sort of thing. Um, so that was uh, my upbringing. But I have two brothers and, you know, even though we we all uh, grew up in the same environment with the same parents, with the same nonnas, obviously with a few years gaps, but um, not that many. I'm the only one that ended up, you know, being a chef and I, I mean, one of my brothers pizza maker, but it's, it's a bit different from being a chef. So yeah. probably it was me that I was a bit more interested in, in the food, not just the environment, but definitely the environment <laughs> played a yeah. big role. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, my mom would cook, my dad would cook, my nonna would cook, my nonna. It's, an, it's very normal. It's actually the opposite. It's not normal to, to buy takeout. It's not, not at all. Apart from pizza, that happens. Um, yeah, no, not really. Also, restaurants in my area never had sushi until I was maybe 14 or 15, which is uh, later on when, you know, this kind of thing started popping up a little bit more everywhere. <clears throat> so definitely was a, a bit of a change when I came here, being able to eat all, all different kind of cuisines and be in different cuisines as well, learning Asian. But anyway, I'm stepping a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so did you learn to cook? Um, did you train as a chef in Italy or that wasn't until you came no, here? No, I, I only cooked at home yeah. and then a little bit professionally. Uh, but mostly I was working with my dad, which had nothing to do with cooking. Yeah. It was um, uh, plumbing and, and then uh, renewable energies, nothing to do with it. Uh, then I wanted to learn English and do an experience, so I chose Australia. Um, it was pretty far, seemed like a pretty good challenge, and so I took it on. And I loved it, but my nonno found me a job, so nine months later I'm back in Italy. But two months I had been already taken and I, w I had fallen in love with Australia already that I was not able to see Italy with the same eyes after yeah. that and I said no, I want to go back and, and then I came back to Melbourne and I put my head straight towards uh, getting the visa and uh, yeah. yeah that's uh, the rest uh, <laughs> the rest is uh, 
all my process of going through different restaurants, yeah. learning from different people. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, that was when I started training as a chef. And that's when I started working in different places and also learning from uh, practice, yeah. Mm. That's great. And it's interesting because I know, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't generalise, but I feel as though a lot of Italian chefs come here and they really want to cook the food from their home. So, so a lot of them just stick to Italian food, but it sounds like you've really explored mm. lots of different cuisines, which is really great. <laughs> yeah, thanks for picking up on that. I appreciate um, I love Italian food, but yeah. um, it gets a bit, uh, quote, boring because you've seen it your whole life. And um, here we've got different ingredients, different quality as well of something. So it's good to explore, to change, mm. to do something different, find your own uh, way with the ingredients that you find here, rather than just try to stick to however it's supposed to be made, as if it's a law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, well, that's right. I lived in France for a year, and I think they're very similar in France with the way that they do things you know, according to rules yeah. and the way that they've always yeah. been done and so on, yeah. Well, you must be doing some cooking as well with those uh, pair of earrings. I know, that's right, <laughs> aren't they? They're great, aren't they? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I definitely wouldn't ask you out if I, if, <laughs> okay. if I was to. If I was wearing these earrings. They look a bit threatening. These are, my talk, <laughs> these are talking to chef knives, they're meant to be non-threatening, like I'm, I'm one of you, yeah. <laughs> they're actually made by... Um, and um, a First Nations jewellery maker, House of Dizzy, and they are called Stabby Knives, but I prefer to call them Chef's Knives. <laughs> yeah, they sound nicer. <laughs> so what, um, when you first came here and you were exposed to those different kinds of um, cuisines, was there anything that surprised you? Oh, Asian. Yeah. I had no idea. The herbs, the spices, for me, it was, I don't know, like being, like if I landed in another planet, I was smelling this, I don't know, mint from Vietnam, you know, they've got so many variety, so many colors, so many flavors. I was amazed. So um, I'm, I'm celiac as well. So definitely uh, exploring a cuisine that is so... Uh, uh, much more focused on using gluten-free ingredients was uh, a lot more useful for me yeah as well that's good <laughs> so a lot more interesting and uh, since the very first job i was already influenced by asian culture because um, uh, my english was so bad yeah so uh, this guy finally calls me i had to pay rent the day after and i had a hundred dollars in my account and he says can you start today, blah, 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 I couldn't understand the rest. I said, um, cannot hear, cannot hear, because I couldn't understand. Text, text. That was my dodgy way to try to get a job without oh. showing that my English was so bad. So he texted me the address, I go there, I start, and I was cooking charcoal chicken, and they were doing Asian at the back, and I was like, what is this thing? like?" Uh, lemongrass was the first thing I saw and I was looks like a spring onion but it's too hard it doesn't yeah <laughs> so, yeah so f it, it, it was yeah it was very interesting coriander all of these things yeah 
Well, I, I remember when I first moved here from New Zealand um, in 2011 and I was living over in West Footscray and I went to the Footscray market and I just couldn't believe all of the different vegetables and fruits mm. and all those Asian cuts of meat and everything as well. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. But even avocado, yeah? Yeah. Here is something that you can see everywhere. Yeah. In Italy, you... for us, we don't uh, oh. Im- import much and if there is some on the shelves it's really expensive it's more like a delicatessen something that you buy every now and again if you feel like it's yeah. not something we have on the table uh, every day yeah. uh, contrary to um, latin america they definitely always have avocado and all these fruits available it's yeah well in australia i mean that's what everyone's spending all their Income on, isn't it? You know, smashed avocado. Yeah. Ever yeah. <laughs> <Evo> on toast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Australia's delicacy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you had you tried you cooked Asian food, so you learned there, and then what with some other kinds as well, other kinds of cuisines. Yeah. So Asian, then I went to American American oh. restaurant, and they were doing slow cooked ribs. Um, I uh, stuffed up a huge batch of barbecue sauce oh. the first time they let me do something. What did you do? It was all in uh, American um, um, uh, measure units. Oh. So I stuffed it up big time, uh, uh, but they sort of fixed it anyway. So, <laughs> uh, so I was slightly introduced into that world as well, and I thought it was awesome. And I didn't know anything really about slow, low and slow and all the stuff that they do yeah. in America and all of that. So, and I traveled with a van after that, so um, no, not much cooking. Um, and then I went to Gold Coast to do pizzas. Um, and then when I came back to Melbourne, I was here in St. Kilda doing uh, Salads. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so uh, I started from the very basics, and uh, I feel like um, I was one of the last ones, one of the last generations going through the tough um, uh. part of uh, hospitality where you've been treated like a S and uh, all the time and you mean nothing and before you can even think of asking if you can cook a steak you, you have to learn 75 languages and know how to cook every single cuisine in the world I mean they make it seem like it's the biggest responsibility in the world mm. so they keep you doing this small stuff so luckily the industry now has changed a lot they yeah. realize they cannot treat people like that anymore and they give people chances. I hope so. Yeah. Do you think it has changed? Yeah, yeah, a lot, mm. a lot. That's definitely always the case here and there, but also people have changed as well. Now they tolerate this a lot less. They That's know right. they've got options more than they used to be. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yeah, so after that... Um, after that, where was I? Yeah, there, and then a cafe, and this was interesting because it was just a cafe, but um, uh, 
they were doing a $10 special and it was different every single day. Like only fine dining restaurants do that. Like the trouble they were going through just to have a different item every single day was incredible in this tiny little kitchen. But they were, they are Asian, but they were cooking a little bit of everything. So I, I got to see so much in there um, from uh, basic Japanese, basic Thai, Chinese, uh, so many recipes, so much that we've done in there. We've done, uh, quote, Italian <laughs> in there as well. And after that, Spanish. So I've changed different yeah. things. Um, I've been a butcher for almost a year. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I think that's a really great idea because it gets you really, mm. you really understand then what, you know, what, where the cuts of meat are coming from, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how to treat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, a chef that likes meat should have the knowledge, the skill, um, yeah. even breaking down a carcass and understanding where every piece comes from mm. um, for what it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to cook it, things yeah. like that. For example, one interesting thing is not everyone knows you know the lamb chop the the one that looks like this and has that little fatty oh, bit yes, yes. hanging yeah that's a, a lamb t-bone oh yeah so things like that it's yeah. the same part of the animal but it's so much smaller because it's a lamb yeah. so when you eat it you think okay that's a t-bone you've got a tiny eye fillet on the side and a tiny pore house on the other. Wow. Wow. No, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Exactly. Well, I think it's um, when I've spoken to chefs who grow their own vegetables and then cook them, they talk about that the level of respect they have for the food increases. And I feel it must be similar when you're um, butchering a whole animal. Mm -hmm. You would really, would you have a bit more respect about where it came from, maybe, rather yeah. than it just arriving already in bits? Oh. A hundred percent. I have seen so many people change because they go through that process. Like yeah. their mind just shifts. The, this meal means so much more than the same meal, but open from finger plastic. Mm. It, it means so much more. So funny you say that. I've uh, got into that as well this year. I've uh, started um, growing my own vegetables. Um, yeah, so I think it's a bit of a uh, disaster, but you know, it's uh, it's you know, how, it's a skill big, I'm learning. How much space do you have? <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of space oh. now, finally. Well, oh. a lot, considering I've lived in an apartment for 10 years, yeah. I've got a lot of space now. Wow. Where I grow the veggies is probably six by by two, it's it's okay to grow. Yeah bit of variety I did not realize every plant of tomato harvests up to 11 kilos of tomato I thought they would harvest um, they would make I don't know 10 tomatoes each plant oh. so I bought six plants oh. so I'm gonna have 60 kilos of tomatoes problem <laughs> that's good then you can make all kinds of things can't you yeah yeah absolutely we struggled, um, we tried growing tomatoes at my partner's parents' place on the Mornington Peninsula and the possums got in and the mother possum would bring her little baby across 
at night and like drop it off like it was a daycare and the mother would go off and the baby would just <laughs> suck all of the, the tomatoes and drop the skins on the ground. Oh, good to know because yeah. we got a, a few possums. Yeah, so you need nets, <laughs> um, I think. We actually never really solved the problem because in, yeah, we then built, we put nets but then the rats got in. So. <laughs> uh, I'm sure yours will go much better. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. yeah. And I put them one too close to the other. So there's a lot of learning there. But, yeah. you know, it's a first attempt and it will go better next year. And it'll be so sure. satisfying to eat the, the Oh my God, grow. it is. And you know what? Like, my accountant, he has never done something like that. And the other night he called me and he said, Bro, you need to come over because we also hang out a little bit. Uh, we like to smoke cigars every now and again together oh, and come 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 we bought this pit we put the lamb in it can you believe we went to the market we got the lamb we put it in the pit for me it's normal for someone <laughs> like that it's it's not yeah and the fact that he made it he turned on the fire he waited for it he cooked it cut it and went through the process he was Oh, this is the best lamb I've ever... You know what I mean? That changes everyone's perspective. Yeah. Because you have made it almost from scratch. Obviously, he hasn't butchered the lamb and... No. All of that, but... Yeah. That's already enough. Exactly <clears throat> right. Yeah. It's so important. And if if I may just quickly say this as well, one of the things I'm trying to do in one of my side projects... Uh, cooking bonds is to help people uh, strengthen their bond within the family through food. What a great idea. And thank you. And this is one of the uh, main pinpoints um, around which the whole idea develops. Like even the kids, if we believe that if they're more involved throughout the process, even just from choosing the fruits and vegetables at the supermarket, they'll probably be more interested or a little bit of cooking, whatever they can do, obviously. And rather than just having the plate of things in front of them already. Yeah. I, I think it's a very important point. I spoke to the French chef Gabriel Gatti a few months ago and he said a really similar thing and he thinks that all parents should be passing that love of food on, whether it is just, you know, picking the fruit or whatever or chopping up some things, but becoming involved. Because I think there's some generations that have missed out on just being in touch with the food and cooking food. I think there's lots of people who, um, for convenience sake and for time-wise, are just buying food. Yeah. And then their kids don't really get to learn. Yeah. Exactly. That, that pleasure, yeah. We also uh, are being desensitized, if that's the correct pronunciation of it, um, <laughs> um, from the act of killing an animal. Yeah, desensitized, that's right, yeah. And so that's why a lot of people are more sensitive to um, and more inclined to being probably even vegan or this sort of thing, maybe, because we don't live that kind of experience anymore. But um, we have created it because we want to go to the supermarket and find every single cut of meat 
at any t- given time. So we have created a situation mm. where there is a mass production and mass massive wastage of Amazing, everything yeah. and we don't see the whole process. But if you've got those animals, you butcher them and use every single bit, I assure you it's a very different experience. So how does that work in this project of yours? What how do you how do you have access to those families? Do they approach you? Like how does that work? For uh, for the for we, um the food bonds. So <clears throat> I am almost ready to uh, open the first version of my course which will be more of a pilot version to give uh, to people um, and um, to get feedback uh, and to see if we go in the right direction if we actually onto something we think we are um, but they might be they might have questions we didn't even think of so um, we will have uh, the course or something ready and you'll be able to see definitely on my social media, Instagram. Uh, I've got the link in the bio to Cooking Bond, which is a different profile, but I'll also post it in my main Donati Instagram profile. And uh, yeah, like I said before, I, um, I want people to bond through food because I felt like I had that and I feel like a lot of people didn't have that mm. and um, food can and I know people are busy there so they get home they don't have time to spend with their kids but like my mom said well bad luck that's your time with your kids mm. and you also have to cook well make it the time with the kids you know like that's yeah <laughs> absolutely you're very busy do you um how do you fit all this in? Because you're also a private chef. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, um, we don't have kids, me and my partner. So uh, definitely have a lot, of, a lot more time on our ends. And um, we feel like we want to go down this path for now. Like yeah. try to set up our life in this way. Yeah. And, so uh, is she also in hospitality? Uh, no, she does help me out, but she has a, a small business. Um, uh, they do shows and, and uh, they dance and she's a model as well. So actually, um, one of the concepts uh, we will do from uh, next year will be themed dinners, which mm-hmm. is something that I haven't seen anywhere. Because I'm a bit tired of trying to sell something as unique, but it's not unique because other chefs are actually doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I found this way, uh, which makes sense because I help their business, they help my business, and together we provide something new. And for example, it could be um, horror night, but you don't just get someone to show up and dance thriller Michael Jackson <laughs> and and then they go away. Like the whole night is horror, like lighting and everything. Yeah. Look the look of the weight stuff, the look of the chef, the look of the food, wow. the look of everything um, transports you to that and from the time it starts from uh, to the time we go away it's a horror themed night okay. and the shows happening it's all it, it's a whole experience 
And what would the food look like? What, what's horror food? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely some things that, <laughs> that could taste really good, but yeah. look like horror food. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, first thing that pops in my head is um, chicken feet. <laughs> they look a little bit... Well, I don't know. <laughs> terif- yes. Terrifying. They do, But yeah. no, yeah, it doesn't uh, have to be then a menu that nobody wants to eat. Mm-hmm. So also um, has to be something really appealing. So yeah. I'm still working on it. But currently, um, I saw that you cater for like small, so for dinner parties up to canapes for a hundred people. Mm. Is, do you do that full range? Is that does that happen all the time? What, no, no, no. I just, um, I guess it was me test, uh, testing the market a little bit, and uh, I have obviously I have to stay in my lane and I want to stay in my lane and my lane is more like uh, uh, below the catering uh, below what the catering companies do so they do big numbers and um, they do it a lot easier a lot more efficiently and um, I don't enjoy doing that if I've got someone that I know and they need it and they want it from me I'm very happy to do it but I like the smaller groups because I can give more of me more of the experience more um, when there's too many people and especially if they are drinking they lose that part of the experience you know yeah and I like it more 10 people 15 people even two people it's awesome for me it, it's very enjoyable work yeah and you prefer that to working in a restaurant? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I've got that um, human connection. Mm. I get a lot more appreciation. Um, I get offered a drink <laughs> <laughs> most of the times, um, which is uh, sometimes hard to bear because I'm not eating anything and mm. some people, they just keep offering uh, drinks after drink. Um, but no, the whole vibe is is so much more enjoyable, at least for me. You know, you show up, music starts, party starts, the whole thing is lit. Is like, it's yeah, well, it's real hospitality, isn't it? You're really you're there with them, and that's you know, sounds like that's what that's you why, loved. You know, about growing up with food and so on as well. Yeah. That's why I think I'm more in the business of uh, entertainment yeah. than uh, uh, hospitality as yeah. if... Okay. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, so how many different things are you doing now then? You've got your deli range. Uh, so um, the private chef is the main focal yeah. point and that one has my name on it, uh, my everything on it and then I've got uh, my products the coffee and the products that I said before and the theme nights are one one extension of the private chef thing and the other one is cooking bond which is the project I was talking to you earlier the daily the daily thing is more of a um, job that I've been doing for the past months just to fill in uh, a bit the weeks sure yeah yeah 
So how busy would you be? Like, are there seasons for the, it, it, it the is, catering? Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, obviously, no, no, it's uh, December. It's a lot busier than other months. Uh, it has been hard for me to try to uh, understand how it goes because every year is different. Yeah. Two years ago, on February, I was busier than the year. Uh, than the previous December. Oh. Uh, so December, I had, I don't know, 15, 16 dinners. And then two months after February, I had like 24, like on a February. I don't know why, but then this year on February, it was a disaster. Right. So I was expecting to be at least busy, not as busy, but at least busy. And it was, a complete disaster so <clears throat> yeah um, a lot a lot of uh, learning um, on the entrepreneur side for sure yeah, absolutely yeah uh, yeah Wow so you've covered lots of different areas and um, now you're running your own business and you're being an entrepreneur what would your advice be to a young person who is thinking about becoming a chef well um, first of all, they need to see if they like it um, in a professional way because liking uh, to cook for your friends on a Sunday is very different than doing uh, 70 hours a week of only that, of very long hours that don't let you really socialize a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, unless you do it in a different way. If you want to be a private chef, I suggest you um, do it once you are very confident uh, with your skills and, and training. Um, obviously, there's always, always a line. I mean, if you're confident, start. Don't wait until you, <laughs> you're a celebrity chef. Yeah. But, not even if you're just starting out because people probably uh, can tell and a lot of things happen uh, it's not like in a restaurant it's easy uh, to control everything yeah. in other people houses there are a lot of things that happen and if you haven't had that professional training that makes your head so um, ready to solve problems you might you know struggle a little bit mm. yeah Literally every time I do a dinner, there is something uh, unplanned that happens, small or big. Yeah. Either the oven doesn't heat up as much or they don't have fry pans. So those ones they have are horrible or things like that, anything. So that's interesting. Would you? So do you go to their kitchen first to see what they've got or do you just turn up on the night and hope for the best or do you, <laughs> do you what do you do yeah good question if uh, i know there's a bit of a um, particular cooking process i need i either bring my uh, pot or pan or whatever i need or i ask before if they've got certain things uh, when it's an airbnb i know it's pretty much all the times a bit of a problem so I try to cover myself with a few things so for example if they've got 30 people 20 people over um, I might bring my big 
walk my big pot because I know if I turn up and they've got a tiny pot, I'm not going to be able to cook pasta for all those people and to toss it like I'm supposed to do, you know, these, these kind of things. But if you forget to do that or if something happens, you still have to make it happen. So... You know, if you have to cook it in the oven to make it happen, cook it in the oven. That's yeah. what I, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I mean, you have to have those. Um, you have to have that knowledge to be able to work with what you've got as well, mm. don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or sometimes they come up to you and they say, "I've got this, 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 and that." Um, also, on top of what you brought, can you make something with it? It's <laughs> it feels a little bit like uh, like a TV box. show. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, all these kind of things so th- things go wrong or maybe uh, the eggs you bought uh, don't whip up that like they're supposed to or they don't um, they are smaller so you you needed more and so the dough you're making isn't right you know all these little things if you have a, if you have made pasta dough twice you might have a few problems that you can't solve you know that that's what I'm trying to say. If you've yeah. done it many many times, it's a lot easier yeah. uh, for for you as well. As well, also the quantities. And even for me at the start, I used to buy a lot more because I I thought I needed more, and then I realized how much people eat, and I can budget a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have a favourite meal that you like to either cook or eat? Oh, steak. Oh, right, that was easy. That, yeah, <laughs> that is absolutely the best thing for me. That you would cook yourself, for yourself, or do you like going out and having other people's steak? Uh, both. Yeah. Yeah, both. I eat steak all the time, I'm sure you can tell. How do you like it? Uh, well, I like it medium rare, mm. but I think that most of the times, because um, the restaurants have the steaks in the fridge, I know it's hard to cook it actually medium rare properly. So I ask for medium, and they usually are medium rare, right. especially if they're big steaks, yeah. especially. Uh, because I believe uh, this is, I think, the best trick you can ever do to cook the best steak. Um, apart from just use really good quality salt and pepper, um, have it on the kitchen bench uh, for at least one hour or two hours, obviously depending on the weather where you are. Like, yeah. like now in Melbourne, probably 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Although on Saturday... Yeah. <laughs> An hour and On a half. Saturday, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it has to be a room temperature. I think once you've done that, you're halfway to cooking an amazing steak. And uh, restaurants, they have to keep them in the fridge so they can have that, you know what I mean? So sometimes it's harder for them to not burn it and cook it to your, um, to your liking. Mm. And then you get used to the place you go if you ask for medium and it's medium rare just keep asking medium <laughs> yeah as long as it works that's right and what are you going to have for dinner tonight 
Ah, tonight. It's a good question. Um, actually, uh, ah, yes, I've got steak, <laughs> Scotch fillet, which is uh, my favorite cut. Okay. Uh, Angus, I like Angus uh, with a little bit of marbly. And yeah, that's it. If I can, um, I always cook on charcoal. Yeah. Because it's the best. And um, I'm trying to uh, eat less carbs, so not potatoes. Um, something green yeah uh, something like that and, and definitely wine like i cannot like you know when you go to mecca's you cannot not have the burgers the coke and the chips like if you don't have one of those three it, your mouth is not happy <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it's not just me yeah. But, oh yeah you know, it, it's missing something. Yeah, steak and, and wine, for me, they just complement each other yeah. so well. So uh, definitely like that. So great. <laughs> thanks so much. Well, enjoy your dinner tonight. And thanks so much for your time coming today. Oh, thank you. That was, that was great. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Ilya Donati. If you liked what you heard, you can check out all the goodness and some really great photos on Instagram and videos, actually. He's really great with videos. On Instagram at Ilya Donati, that's E-L-I-A-D-O-N-A-T-I. And if you'd like to hear more stories from other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat and become a subscriber at www.conversationwithachef.com. Now, I don't know, like, do people read things these days? If you do, and you like to know when new things are up, it's great to become a subscriber. I get to know you're there, you get to the notification that it's up there. <laughs> I'd also absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats, and of course you can follow me on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Audible. <laughs> Very flash. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bon appétit.